Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tory. Today is November 29th, 2019. I hope every single one of you listening had a wonderful Thanksgiving day. For those of you that were working, I hope at least at your work they had some turkey or um, you got home to some turkey or anything. And for those of you that didn't celebrate it at all with turkey, it really doesn't matter. Uh, there are people out there thankful for you, uh, as am I. I'm thankful for every each and, uh, and every, every each and every one of you. Um, uh, for me, it was kind of great. Uh, I uh, kind of orchestrated a little um, surprise for my youngest because my eldest daughter had three-day leave, so she flew out for Thanksgiving. And she arrived uh, just before 2 p.m. Uh, our time. And at that point, I was kind of like finishing up all the cooking. And then I pretended to have forgotten some ingredient and left to go pick her up from the airport around the corner. And came home, stashed her in the garage. And then Phoebe was busy mopping up some... Uh, drink that she had spilled (laughs) and as we were sitting there and I was pretending to go back to cooking she hears her sister saying get over here (laughs) and she looked at me like wow you sounded really like my sister and that was it and it was really hard because I had to get my two huge dogs crammed into a bedroom because they would give it away (laughs) one of them the great Pyrenees actually knows how to open the door so he came out uh, and the Dane kind of just sat there saying, look, if she put us in there, we have to stay in here until she realized what was going on. So it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Um, very emotional for the, for the dogs more than anything. I have never seen them act like this before. Uh, they haven't seen her for about nine months. Uh, so that was, um, very touching to see. The cat was crying and my cat is a very particular, Afghan Balinese cat. Um, he's, he's very not nice. He's very particular. Um, so that was my day along with, um, getting a few Black Friday deals, uh, after Turkey, you know, walk it off and my legs are sore. I'm going to go hit the stores again today. I do the majority of my Christmas shopping like that because that's, that's the only time of the year where you go buy something that you're going to buy anyway, and they just give you money. Um, Target, Walmart, you know, I'm a techie, so I always love upgrading my phones annually. So they pay me to, to go and upgrade my phone, which is kind of like, yep, sure, go ahead, do it. Um, so I'm going to be doing that today. So I hope all of you are having a great holiday. It is literally beginning to look a lot like Christmas. A lot. And I'm loving it. And I think that's one of my favorite songs. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look in the five and ten Listening once again With candy canes and silver lanes aglow 
It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Christmas. Toys in every store. But the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. A pair of hopper-long boots and a pistol that shoots is the wish of Barney and Ben. Dolls that will talk and will go for a walk is the hope of Janice and Jen. And Mom and Dad can hardly wait for school to start again. Well, this Christmas, guys, Santa's coming with a big hammer, a huge one. And a lot of us are going to see this hammer drop. What is it? 11th. He's um, testifying, so that would be the 12th of December. (laughs) Go figure. Time-traveling Tori is telling you that on the 12th of December, we are going to have the hammer drop. It's going to be a doozy. And that's after the testimony because we want everyone to see it. See, the future, what comes in the future, what happens today is always proven by the past. I made clear note of that when I put together the article in regards to the Ukraine where I replayed the audio from uh, Victoria Newland and Jeffrey Pyatt at the time, who was the ambassador at the Ukraine for the United States, were discussing things. And see, when you heard it then, it sounded like a bit of meddling and, oh, we want to help. And But when you put it into context and look back to the past, the future and what's happening today is clearly proven. Proven into what has been said is happening. Quid pro quo, manipulations, global electronic voting manipulations, making money off of people, placing people in other governments that we wish, getting paid for it, lining their pockets for it. That's basically what happened. So what we need to do is kind of get really excited. The 12 days of Christmas are starting this Sunday. So Sunday, December 1st, we should be counting down the 12 days of Christmas because on the 12th of December, oh boy, it's going to be a party. Yeah, the report's going to drop. Yeah, everyone's going to write articles. So am I. I usually pick up the things that nobody talks about because, you know, the news is not really the news. They're super, super duper fake news. So what What are we in store for next week? (laughs) Panic. Foaming at the mouth. Basically. Fake news across the globe happened yesterday, right? Didn't it? There's a a piece that I'm working on and I'm going to publish it during the weekend, um, you know, because I want to spend some time with my daughter just smothering her in kisses. I'm one of those parents where I just like smother my kids in kisses and hugs. Um, I guess, you know, that's kind of weird. You know, they're all grown up. I I really don't care. I I think I deserve that right. Uh, But I just want to tell you guys that I had so much fun watching the mainstream media have to eat a big fat slice of humble pie where they started talking about how, oh, Trump is going golfing. Oh, he's doing this. Oh, there was even one dude that even reported on the fact that there were fans, 
you know, you know, seeing off President Trump from finishing his golfing tour. And then, boom, he's in Afghanistan. And they all lost their mind. They didn't even say anything. That's the weird thing. Uh, you know, a lot of them that wrote articles updated them, but it was horrific. Horrific. The amount of trash they put out there. Oh, this is how much he spends golfing. This is because he's not allowed to unwind you guys. Okay. He works 24 seven, has gotten things done and he's not allowed to unwind. But if we want to do a tally, think of how many children the president has, right? Think how many Barack Hussein Obama had, right? He had two and they were minors, right? Okay. He has adult children that require secret service. He, he has a young child that requires secret service. He has a lot of kids. Well, do you know that the cost of protecting the first family, all those kids that the president has and all those supposed trips put together going golfing that he's done actually to date have cost us $12 million less than what Barack Hussein Obama has done to date. (laughs) But you know, it's Trump. So he's just spending money. Now I want us to listen to the remarks our president gave to the troops in Afghanistan, which was amazing. People were upset that they didn't know about it. Yeah, because that's the one thing you tell the press that wants, you know, to get rid of our president. Oh, guess what? We're going into a war zone. Come along. Uh, no. This is where we send decoys. This is where we don't let anyone see where he is going because guess what? We don't trust you. You are the enemy of the people and we know that you are simply an extension of the DC mafia of the swamp and no one is going to tell you anything ever. And this is why the Horowitz report, you're leaking bits by bits, saying and saying the hammer is dropping the day after he testifies, you guys. This is Christmas on the 12th day of Christmas. You remember that because as said before, the past always proves the future. It is a roadmap, and unfortunately, not many of us can see this map and predict. It's kind of like knowing, well, if I go north on this road, my destination will be Canada. You know, not a lot of us see Canada at the end. Not a lot, a lot of us can put the other little pieces to tell us, yeah, we're going here or there. There are stops on the way. Well, this, this choo-choo train is dropping on the 12th day of Christmas, <laughs> December 12th is when it's dropping and it's going to be amazing. Just amazing. Now, in the meantime, again, like I said, we must listen to the remarks our president delivers to these troops that he served and that were so excited to see him. I mean, it was pretty incredible. How excited are they to know that their president, the coolest president ever, the best president ever, the president that loves the military more than anything took himself and put himself in the war zone to sit there and eat with his soldiers because he is their commander in chief. That's pretty awesome. Take a listen to what he said. Well, thank you very much. That was great. And we just had a nice Thanksgiving dinner. I thought I was going to be having it someplace else. And Senator Barrasso is a great friend of mine. He said, uh, that would be great if we did it. I said, you come with me, John, and he came with me. John, thank you very much. 
great friend of ours, a great senator and a great man. And I want to thank General Milley's special warrior. He's a special warrior. And I want to congratulate you also because I just saw some numbers that are incredible. Uh, ISIS, you're wiping them out left and right. There's almost nothing left in this area. You're not going to be lonely. And Al-Qaeda, the same thing. And a tremendous progress. And, you know, we have a, a very special friend of ours that's here. We had a meeting a little while ago. I said, would you like to come over and say hello to the troops? And he said, that would be such an honor. And I think what I'll do is, before I start, I'll bring up the President of Afghanistan, President Ghani, is here. So please, Mr. President, we'd love to have you say something. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. First of all, who's there? President Ghani. Who is that? He's the president of Afghanistan. Remember the president that was going to travel with the leader of the Taliban to Camp David so they can discuss a situation? The situation that was Taliban is a political party of Afghanistan. They do not want to be weaponized anymore, most of them. President Ghani doesn't want that either. And they were supposed to sit down and say, hey, Taliban party, why do you want your headquarters in Qatar if you're representing the people of Afghanistan? Let's talk. What can we do to help? Gosh darn that Qatar, right? They're almost everywhere. Ilhan, <laughs> Talib, and then more, more that's coming. Oh my gosh. Everyone is going to be wide awake come after December 11th. It is going to be amazing. Take a listen how our president brings the president of Afghanistan to speak and address the troops that are there fighting in his own country. In the name of God, the compassion of the merciful, Mr. President, great American troops, great patriots, happy Thanksgiving. It's an occasion for us to be especially thankful because the President of the United States is here and he has been the architect of the South Asia strategy and the strategy for wiping out Al-Qaeda and die. Wow. Okay. So here we have President Ghani. See, did the media report this? Did they tell you that the president of Afghanistan sat there and addressed our troops and said that we're working together to eradicate Al-Qaeda, you know, the weaponized arm of the Taliban that I've educated my listeners to understand that this was done by Osama bin Laden. That's what they used to call Osama bin Laden when they weaponized the Taliban in the 80s to fight the Russian jihad with the Chechnyans. Hence why we have Chechnyans, Georgian and Ukrainians, right? Um, pushing the whole Al Qaeda ideology. Here is where we learn more things. Here is where it's awesome. And you know, standing, standing behind the podium is a general who's kind of clapping, but not clapping. Um, I think he feels like, I don't know how to respond here. This is like super un, this has never happened before. And then right behind him is uh, a staff sergeant from what I see that is all smiles. It's like he's not even moving. He's just super smiling. It's, it's incredible to watch guys. Thanks to your support and the bravery of the Afghan soldiers, we've inflicted 
in an incredible defeat on ISIS in Nigrahar. Last week it was Nigrahar, in the next three months it's going to be all of Afghanistan. <laughs> Equally, with your support, what we have done to wipe out Al-Qaeda South Asia is tremendous, and thank you. Oh, he looks so excited and he's so shorter than the president and he's really trying to get excited because the Afghanis get to get control of their country and purge terrorism. Terrorism in any nation is a really hard thing to defeat. In Mexico, we see it in the face of the cartels. In the United States, we see it in the face of the Democratic Party and other terrorist cells like the cartels and ISIS and jihadis in general, right? But there's always a face of the terrorism, the domestic terrorism. For them, it's domestic, domestic. It's a really big win for them. And he's really excited. And President Trump's kind of like smirking. Yeah, you do it. I brought the president of Afghanistan to address the troops that are in his country fighting for his country's ability to be liberated because we want to leave. We don't need to be in here. We want to end this and we want to give you the power to do so. But we're not leaving until we make sure that the source of the Taliban weaponization of the Taliban, not the political party, is gone and out of your country. President Trump, people talked a lot about bin Laden. But what you did to eliminate al-Baghdadi, who was an organizer and not a talker, is much greater accomplishment. Congratulations. He's right, guys. Osama bin Laden was one of our assets. He was the face of the war. He was the face of the jihad. He was the face of speaking on behalf of all these radicalized persons. Not all of them Muslims. Remember that. And he radicalized all of them, obviously converted them into, you know, radicalized Islam. But he was the face the orchestrator, the puppet master, the recruiter, the guy that would assign troops, the guy that would um, allocate money, collect money, solicit money so they can fund their operations. That's the real danger. That is who you need to take out. And that is who President Trump took out. He took out the guy that was the point guy for every single faction of terrorism that leads back to Al-Qaeda slash ISIS, Hezbollah, all of them, they would all coordinate. That is the biggest thing. Because why? He controlled the methods. That's why. I would also like to take this occasion to say thank you to the Gold Star families. 2,298 American men and women in uniform if paid the ultimate sacrifice. This nation will always be grateful for that sacrifice and we will always remember it. And also, 20,585 have been wounded. But since President Trump has been President of the United States, fortunately, we still too high a number, but only 52 American men and women in uniform have died. Compared to thousands before, 
This is a tribute to our joint partnership and to the sacrifice that Afghan soldiers, your brothers and sisters in uniform are making. More than a million Americans have served you in uniform. We pay tribute to their families and to your families. I would like a special request. Please thank your families for agreeing to miss you at this special occasion at home and for being here defending United States security and our freedom. Wow, that is incredible. You know, how come this isn't on every television across the nation right now? How come it isn't being aired anywhere? How come no one is talking about what a big achievement this is? Because they're all fake news. It's funny how everyone just wants to say, Newsweek, fake news, nah, 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 nah. Why aren't you talking about the fact that we had the president of Afghanistan <laughs> addressing the troops and saying thank you to the family members of those that are in Afghanistan for their sacrifice of not having their loved one at the table yesterday? Mm, pretty incredible. Pretty incredible how almost all media excluded this from the conversation. Together, we will succeed. We will never forget that 9-11 brought us, and we will never permit the repetition of 9-11 again. God bless you. God bless the President. Okay, so President Trump was like, would you like to go or stand up here? He's like, I'll stand up here. And he put him flanking the general. The general literally moved over and put the president of Afghanistan right next to him. This is where you can see who your fake news are, who is really telling you what's going on, who is parsing it apart for you because no one else will. Because in the age of information, with access to so much information, the truth is buried among the lies, among what they tell you is important for you to know about. That's the thing. How is the video from the White House that was published yesterday with only 29,000 views? Are you kidding This is the media today, both right and left. That tells you everything you need to know. Well, thank you very much, Mr. President. 52 compared to thousands, and uh, we're doing a tremendous job. And as you know, a big part of that job is ISIS, certainly the biggest, and Al-Qaeda. And we... uh, We've got them down very low numbers. We'll have that totally taken care of in a very short period of time. And we'll see what happens. Uh, The Taliban wants to make a deal. We'll see if they want to make a deal. It's got to be a real deal, but we'll see. But they want to make a deal. And they only want to make a deal because you're doing a great job. That's the only reason they want to make a deal. So I want to thank you, and I want to thank the Afghan soldiers for really... uh, I've spoken to a lot of you today, and you say they're really fighting hard. I was very impressed with that, actually. So... I want to thank you. And General Milley, again, to be at Bagram Airfield. I've heard so much about it. It's an incredible place. This is some some airfield, some fortress. Uh, I want to thank uh, all of the 
Afghanistani troops. We have a lot of them here, actually. We have a number of them standing around, saying hello and waving, and we appreciate it. And I also say to you, just at ease, let's just enjoy ourselves for a couple of minutes. I'm going to introduce a few people. But there's nowhere I'd rather celebrate this Thanksgiving than right here with the toughest, strongest, best and bravest warriors on the face of the earth. You are indeed that. You know, uh, when I took office, if you can believe it, almost three years ago, we were uh, very depleted. Our military was depleted in terms of equipment, you see, right? They're all shaking their heads, that's right. We have all those brand new planes and brand new helicopters and brand new ships being built now, brand new incredible submarines. Probably the most powerful submarines, probably the most powerful weapon in the world is what we're building. The form of submarines, nobody's, nothing's even close. But we have things that nobody's seen, nobody's heard about, and we'll keep it that way. That's the way it should be. And just on a note, the president of Afghanistan is so sincerely elated right now that he's there, flanked by General Milley and what the president is saying. But again, we don't let people know what we're doing, and that's the way we're going to keep it. I'll see you all right after this break. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So in the first half hour, we kind of just discussed um, what is to come. But we're in the middle of listening to what the president um, is doing and uh, how he is addressing our troops in Afghanistan. And it's important we listen to his speech. It was important that we understand that the president of Afghanistan was there. That he came and addressed our troops, that he came and thanked our troops. I mean, that's a very big deal. And we left it off where he was discussing the Taliban and how we have these new subs and nobody knows what we have and we're going to keep it that way. Let's take a listen to what else he tells us is coming. But well, we've spent two and a half trillion dollars, very close to that number. And uh, very shortly, it'll be at two and a half trillion dollars. And while I don't love that, you know, what that does to my budget, because I'm a budget person, uh, we don't have a strong military. Budgets don't matter much, do they? Huh? I kind of have to worry about budgets. So with what's going on in the world today, very important. Two and a half trillion dollars. And nobody uh, beats our great Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, Marines. And we think soon we're going to be adding a thing called space. You know about that, right? Space. We're going to have space covered very well. We're covering it now, but we have to cover it to a much greater extent. And you'll be hearing about that in the coming days and weeks. I've just come from serving Thanksgiving dinner to some of you. I recognize already some of you in the audience and with General Milley and the folks. And we had a good time. I then got down. I sat down. I had a gorgeous piece of turkey. And I was all set to go, and I had some of the mashed potatoes, and I had a bite of mashed potatoes. And I never got to the turkey because General Milley said, come on over, sir, let's take some pictures. I never got to my turkey. It's the first time in Thanksgiving that I've never had anything <laughs> called turkey. But that's okay. But it looked awfully good, I have to tell you that. I should have started with that instead of the mashed potatoes. I made a mistake. 
But I hope everyone enjoyed the fantastic meal. Hopefully the media will go on that, you know, two scoops of ice creams. He ate mashed potatoes, not turkey. <laughs> Daters. Well, it certainly did look good, and hopefully everyone can get some well-deserved rest this holiday. Your family, they're home, and they love you so much. We flew 8,331 miles to be here tonight for one simple reason, to tell you in person that this Thanksgiving is a special Thanksgiving. We're doing so well. Our country is the strongest economically it's ever been. We have never done so well. We have the greatest economy anywhere in the world. So it's nice to know that you're fighting for something that is doing well as opposed to something that was not doing well just a number of years ago. Our stock markets reached the highest level ever in the history of the exchanges, all three. If you look, all three. It's incredible. It's incredible what's happening. It just broke a record. I think it's close to 130 days, so we're less than three years. And 130 times we've broken the all-time record. And to me, that doesn't mean an all-time record. It means something different. It means jobs. It means 401ks. People come up to me with their 401ks. They say, sir, you've made me look like a genius. Thank you very much. You know, they're up 78 percent. They feel good. So I would just want to say that we thank God for your health and all of the things that you've done. You are very special people, and you don't even know how much the people of our country love and respect you. And they do. That's why I'm here. I'm just bringing the message. The courageous American warriors in Afghanistan and across the region are leading the fight to vanquish America's enemies and defeat forces of radical Islamic terrorism. I would say it so often during the campaign. That's what we're doing. Together, we're making tremendous progress. Just a few weeks ago, as you know, and as President Ghani mentioned, U.S. Special Forces brought the world's number one most wanted terrorist to justice when the President said more important than Osama bin Laden. I would say that, look, you know, different in a way. He was an organizer. Al-Baghdadi was an organizer. He was the founder of ISIS. He was the father, if you want to call him that, of ISIS. I think he wasn't so happy three weeks ago when he saw those incredible 67 men, in that case, just come pouring down onto where he was staying, and that didn't work out too good. And we have a new national hero. You know who that is, right? Conan. Conan is a new, is our new great hero. That was, and Conan was at the White House the other day. You might have seen it. And uh, it was something. But the animal known as al-Baghdadi, the founder, the leader of ISIS, the man that was trying to reinstitute ISIS because we've defeated, we have 100 percent of the ISIS caliphate in Syria is now ours. He is dead. His second is dead. His third, we have the sights on the third. I think the third doesn't want the job. The third is saying, you know what? Uh, Maybe I'll go work at a store or something. But Baghdadi was a a savage and soulless monster who raped, tortured, and slaughtered the innocent, including many, many Americans. When you saw those folks, those great people, in the orange jumpsuits, 
oftentimes standing on a beach with a thug behind him and a big knife. That was all al-Baghdadi, but he's gone. The American warriors hunted him down. They executed a masterful raid, and they punched his ticket to hell. That's what happened. Shortly after we got Baghdadi, we uh, focused on some other elements in the area, and we also started leaving the area because it's secure, but we didn't leave it totally. We kept the oil. Makes sense, right? I've been saying for a long time, keep the oil. Hate to say it. I used to say it with a place called Iraq, too. Keep the oil. They didn't listen to me. I was a civilian. They didn't listen. Now they have to listen. But we kept the oil. And we kept it, and we can help the Kurds. We can help our partners. We can have it developed. It's where they got their wealth. That's where they got their money. We kept it. So, uh, We'll go back in when we have to, as it arises, but 100 percent. We have thousands of prisoners. We'd like Europe to take those prisoners. They have not stepped up to the plate at all. Many come from France. Many come from Germany. They come from different countries in Europe. They have not stepped up to the plate. That's not good. We have to talk to them, John, because they should be taking those people back and trying them. And if we didn't do it, they'd go back to France and they'd go back to Germany and to UK and to all of all of the places where they came. That's where they want to go back. And they should take them. Weeks ago, we also announced that the um, forces are coming back. They're coming back home. We're reducing over here. But because of technology and all of the things that we have, we're able to reduce in Afghanistan, very substantially actually reduce and do even more devastating attacks on the enemy. So that's part of the two and a half trillion that we have coming. Finest equipment in the world. We build the greatest equipment anywhere in the world by far. I'm going to tell you something because, see, here's where people don't listen to some things he says. So I'm going to just um, you heard him say what's up. He, you heard him tell you what he did. Now I'm going to replay just two minutes and then I'm going to tell you what you missed. Taken care of in a very short period of time, and we'll see what happens. Uh, the Taliban wants to make a deal. We'll see if they want to make a deal. It's got to be a real deal, but we'll see. But they want to make a deal. And they only want to make a deal because you're doing a great job. That's the only reason they want to make a deal. So I want to thank you, and I want to thank the Afghan soldiers for really... Uh, I've spoken to a lot of you today, and you say they're really fighting hard. I was very impressed with that, actually, so I want to thank you. And General Milley, again, to be at Bagram Airfield, I've heard so much about. It's an incredible place. This is some, some airfield, some fortress. Uh, I want to thank uh, all of the Afghan and Stanian troops. We have a lot of them here, actually. We have a number of them standing around, saying hello and waving, and we appreciate it. And I also say to you, just at ease, let's just enjoy ourselves for a couple of minutes. I'm going to introduce a few people. But there's nowhere I'd rather celebrate this Thanksgiving than right here with the toughest, strongest, best and bravest warriors. On the Here's where we start. Indeed that. You know, uh, when I took office, if you can believe it, almost three years ago, we were uh, very depleted. Our military was depleted in terms of equipment. You see, right? They were all shaking their heads. That's right. 
We have all those brand new planes and brand new helicopters and brand new ships being built now, brand new incredible submarines. Probably the most powerful submarines, probably the most powerful weapon in the world is what we're building. The form of submarines. Nobody's, nothing's even close. But we have things that nobody's seen, nobody's heard about, and we'll keep it that way. But we've spent two and a half trillion dollars, very close to that number, and uh, very shortly it'll be at two and a half trillion dollars. And while I don't love that, you know, what that does to my budget, because I'm a budget person, uh, we don't have a strong military. Budgets don't matter much, do they? Huh? I kind of have to worry about budgets. So with what's going on in the world today, very important. Two and a half trillion dollars. And nobody uh, beats our great Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, Marines. And we think soon we're going to be adding a thing called space. You know about that, right? Space. We're going to have space covered very well. We're covering it now, but we have to cover it to a much greater extent. And you'll be hearing about that in the coming days and weeks. I've just come from serving Thanksgiving dinner to some of you. I recognize already some of you in the audience. Pay attention. What he says after the mashed potatoes. And And I'll put it all together for you. I got down. I sat down. I had a gorgeous piece of turkey. And I was all set to go, and I had some of the mashed potatoes, and I had a bite of mashed potatoes. And I never got to the turkey because General Milley said, come on over, sir, let's take some pictures. I never got to my turkey. It's the first time in Thanksgiving that I've never had anything called turkey. But that's okay. But it looked awfully good, I have to tell you that. I should have started with that instead of the mashed potatoes. I made a mistake. Here we go. I hope everyone enjoyed the fantastic meal. It certainly did look good. And hopefully everyone can get some well-deserved rest this holiday. Your family, they're home, and they love you so much. We flew 8,331 miles to be here tonight. 8,331. Never had it. Almost had the turkey. Didn't have the turkey. We're keeping things secret. We're dealing with space. You know, these are all facts, right? That he's spewing out, like, what happened, what's going on. You all should just look at 5 U.S. Code 8331 and decide what he was telling you during that. I'll leave it at that for now. I'll I'll, I'll do a write-up on it. But it's important that we listen to the words he tells us and um, appreciate um, the statements that he makes that you're like, okay, well, why are you so accurate? Eight, three, three, one. You know, like I said, 12 days of Christmas begin on Sunday and it's going to be pretty awesome. Now I'm fast forwarding to where he brings some people up because this is Really important. Come here. Come here. Come. Have you ever spoken publicly? Yes. Give it a shake. She said yes. That's pretty Please say something, please. Hello, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you both very much. I know that Senator Barrasso is very proud of the fact that Wyoming's National Guard is here at Bagram. Oh, you got them, huh? Where are they? Come here. Come here. 
say a few words. Go ahead. Good place. Thank you, President. Barter River. buck. These people are all action, no talk. But I just want to thank you for being here. And uh, the Alpha Battery 2nd of the 300th Field Artillery Battalion, thank you very much. Uh, your First Lieutenant Ira Weimer and First Sergeant Michael Clancy, I want to thank you very much for doing such a great job in leading the unit. Let me also recognize the terrific service members from Area Support Group Afghanistan, JTF Parwin, Task Force Cobalt, our Theater Reaction Force Fury, Task Force Griffin, Task Force Hellhound EOD. Where are you? Task Force Loyalty. I like that. I like that, man. Task Force Hickey No. Hickey No. Where are you, Hickey No? That's great. That's great. Warfighters, keep up the great work. Really, keep up the great work. That's fantastic. And we're glad we could mention most of you. I, I know we left somebody out. Did we leave anybody out? I agree. Who else? <laughs> Together, we're all very proud of the part the most feared and lethal fighting force ever assembled is played toward peace. America's military dominates the sky. Nobody can dominate the sky like we do. We have the new F-35s coming out, stealth, and even super stealth. Uh, it's hard for the enemy because there's one problem they have. You can't see the planes. It's always tough to fight a plane when you can't see it. But America's military dominates the sky. You dominate the sea. You dominate the land. You dominate space. You will not be deterred, and you will never, ever be defeated. The United States never seeks war. We seek peace wherever peace can be found. We want peace. We do want peace. I want peace more than anybody. You know, they said when I was elected, oh, we'll be in a war in the first day, right? Remember that? No. But... When we do, and if we do, and I hope we never do, we will win. We're going to fight to win. We only fight to win. We only fight to win. But if we are forced, we will avenge the enemy with overwhelming power, and we will win like the old days we won. Then we went where we sort of played for ties, but we don't play for ties anymore. We don't do the tie thing anymore. Is that okay with you folks? Is that all right? Victory on the battlefield will always belong to you, the American warrior. In the long run, of course, the future of Afghanistan and nations across this region will not be decided on the battlefield. Ultimately, there will be need to be a political solution, and we're working with the President, and we're working with a lot of people right now on a political solution decided by the people of the region themselves. But rest assured that my administration will always be committed to annihilating terrorists wherever they appear, because we don't want them in our country. We're going to tell them, get the hell out, and we're doing it all the time. Get them out. And we will continue to work tirelessly for the day when we can bring each and every one of you home and safe to your family. And that day is coming, coming very soon. In the 18 years since the attacks of September 11th, thousands of American patriots have left their everyday lives 
and cherished loved ones put on their uniforms and flown here to Afghanistan. Some of our brave warriors have made the ultimate sacrifice. We honor their memory today, and we will always honor their memory. Like all of them, each of you came to do your duty. You came to defend American liberty. You came because our nation needed you, and they needed you right here. The men and women of our military are totally loyal to our country, and every day I am president, America will always be totally loyal to you. I just want to finish by saying that, with your courage, we will continue to pursue America's enemies to the ends of the earth, greatest in the world. We will chase them down. We will get the terrorists. We will break their will. We will not give them rest. No break and no way out. They won't have a chance. As long as America's soldiers, sailors, airmen, Coast Guardsmen, and Marines are on the mission, our nation's adversaries do not have even a small hope of victory. Together, we will preserve our freedom. We will protect our homeland. And we will always defend and honor our great American flag. I want to thank you, Bagram Air Base. This is a special place, a place that everybody talks about in our country, what you've done here and what you've built here is powerful. And I just want to say next year we'll be having Thanksgiving together, maybe back in the United States, because you've done so much work here and you've done it well. God bless you. God bless our great country. God bless everybody in this room. Be safe. I will see you very soon. We will be back. We'll be back. And we are coming back as a country like nobody has ever seen. When I'm greeted, and I'm often greeted by leaders of the world, they start off by saying two things. Congratulations on what you've done with your country from an economic standpoint. We've never seen anything like it. And, sir, congratulations on rebuilding your military. And that's what we've done. God bless you all. Thank you very much. Thank you. So that was really important for us to listen to all of this. But I also would tell you that it's important that you go and see it and hop to where he uh, tells people to come. Now, I did get a few notifications uh, from a few people that after I mentioned 8331, uh, that was a very specific number. My um, feed kind of cut out. But I think you all should just go take a look at 5 U.S. Code, um, Section 8331. Uh, But when he brings people up to the podium, it's very important. So I want you to pay attention to who he brought up, uh, specifically uh, the woman that he asked, have you spoken before? And she's like, yes. All you have to do is look at body language. It's very important to understand that. Um, Very important to understand that (laughs) whenever he showcases someone, either that be via a tweet, right? Either that be via bringing them onto stage, to the podium, refers to them. It is for you to direct your attention to the content that they tweeted or to who they are. Because remember, he always applauds his largest enemies. He always applauds the people that are next to him that want nothing but to cause him harm. We've seen this with Lindsey Graham, who has decided, do I stick with the Democrats and fall down and burn with them? 
or do I save my skin and bow out uh, with honor without going into the history books as one of them? Lindsey Graham's actions will show you what side believes. No, what side is really winning, actually. So that is what we need to be paying attention to. In the next hour, we're going to be talking about Horowitz. We're going to be talking about this huge, you know, avalanche that's coming. It's snowing here, but it is going to be insane. And, you know, to do that, we should remind ourselves of this opening clip that we will kind of deconstruct where it kind of felt lackluster. And then you're going to see just how seductive this um, joint hearing of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee that happened in 2018 was. So just listen to the first minute and we'll get to that and the rest of Horowitz because it's going to be an amazing week next week. Take a listen. Deputy Director McCabe's termination that the Department of Justice at high levels sought to terminate the Clinton Foundation investigation. We also know that you found communication between Secretary Clinton and President Obama. During your investigation, did you seek access to communications from the Department of Justice? Uh, yes, we did. What about former Obama White House officials? Um, we saw department records and department information um, we have in the past when we've sought um, White House records, um, and this is true of administrations going way back, um, it's been made clear to us that the Executive Office of the President does not provide records to um, inspectors general of agencies. So we would look for them if they were incoming to the department, and those would be records that we would seek and obtain um, but we don't have authority over any other agency outside government. Uh, outside, did, I'm sorry, the Justice Department. Did you seek to interview any officials at the White House, um, the Obama White House? I would have to go back and ask the team whether we sought interviews. Dennis McDonough? I don't believe so. Valerie Jarrett? I don't believe so. How about the president himself? Uh, no, we did not. Right. Neither the Department of Justice would you have liked to. We're going to get to that right after this break. We'll repeat the names that were dropped. Oh, my gosh. Handlers and all. See you all in a bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So before um, we get into this hour and we talk about what's to come, I want to remind you guys that the 12 days of Christmas um, were um, written, uh, it was a, like an English Christmas carol. And it was written, um, and, you know, we've changed a few things. People f keep thinking on the 12th day of Christmas, there's 12 drummers drumming. 
the original one that was um, put together uh, in 1775 through 1825. It's actually the 12th day of Christmas. True love gave to me 12 lords a-leaping. <laughs> the hammer's about to go down. And the hammer, which was the surveillance system used, the core of the Russia hoax, is all going to come smashing down. It's going to be so awesome. See, blackmail no longer carries water at all. And all this testimony in the, what do they call it, the 11th hour, those that believed that they were protected, those that believed that their hearsay gossip girl witnessing things that they never witnessed, their supposed facts, the shifty facts. Mm. Welcome to what's going to be the most awesome Christmas. Think of when all of this began. You know, you know what the public says sometimes, you guys, really doesn't matter. And for me, you know, being uh, someone that doesn't have Trump's money, <laughs> okay, um, you know, I get hurt too. But I can tell you guys that on Wednesday I had a really good day. I had a really good day because, you know, public opinion, optics, whatever, nobody cares. It's what happens. And, you know, in a sense, I felt like, oh, my gosh, this is the United States of America. And when you are, let's put it this way, just to let you know how good it is. So when when someone comes at you, say, say I want to sue you, right, or just maim you because, you know, I don't know, I'm Rosie O'Donnell, let's say. No, let's make it a little bit more. Mm, let's see. Let's pretend. No, that doesn't work either without me saying it. I shouldn't say it. Got to wait. I'm trying to think how I can put this. Let's just pretend someone in a position of supposed power because they supposedly all these clowns that we have in Congress too, all these people that are in your, your house, your Senate, your state, your city, your County, whatever. They're in a position of pseudo quasi power because we've elected them to think they have some power. Well, and they do to an extent. See, not a lot of judges will put their career on the line and allow from a miscarriage of justice. There are not a lot of judges that will let themselves hang themselves for the sake of believing that they are protected because they are not. They are not. And it seems like there's an awakening happening slowly. Not just of the people, because the people have started to wake up for years. Because of those that they called crazy, right? You know, Alex Jones, for example, I can tell you when my boots were filled with sand, when I was sitting in an office which, with a bunch of people I couldn't stand, when he would keep me company at night and I'd be like, all right, you know, fair enough. Provoking thought. Provoking thought. See, that's the problem. 
people do not like people who provoke thought. They do not like people who like to shed light. They do not. They will sit there and they will fight you. They will sit there and they will demand from you. They will sit there. They will throw mud at you. They will sling at you. Arrows, axes, and false accusations until you bend the knee. They will tie you up in litigation to the point that you're like so in the hole that even if you worked for, you know, 200 years, you still wouldn't be able to pay to get out of that hole. I can tell you. You know, when someone makes an allegation, let's pretend I call you a fraudster, right? I'm going to press criminal charges because I have evidence of that, right? And I'm going to throw you in jail. Mm-mm. That's not how it works. See, people of power will sling that allegation and not take you to criminal court. They'll take you to civil court mm-hmm. and sue you for something that, you know, you can't sue them because there's no actual victim and there's no actual thing. But what they can do is they can throw 50 motions into the court and keep you in there. And then next thing you know, you're like me, you know, almost $200,000 in debt because they don't like the fact that you're shedding the light on little children getting diddled, little children getting sold. And that's okay. Because when you take me and you take that first step and you think I'm going to bow down, hey, I can make this all go away if you sign this and pay me $500. No, I'm not. I had friends that were like two years ago when this whole thing started, just pay it. Nope. I will rather go down in flames than allow anyone to make me submit when I don't have to. Mm. Because they don't know me. (laughs) They don't know what I stand for. And so they got vicious and through and through and through. Now we're at the point that it's like, all right, now this is all going to come out because we need this to come out. But here's the thing. For the past mm, seven months, they've been demanding the court not to allow me to have discovery. What? So were you saying that I'm not allowed to have discovery, but you are asking the judge to compel me to answer questions? I've complied with discovery. I've given you my answers. But guess what? They didn't like the answers. Basically, it's like, no, that's not the answer. And it's like, so you know what the answer is? Then answer it. No, we're not going to do that. Well, then you can't compel, can't make the court compel someone to say what you want them to say. If you've got it, you need to share your discovery. Depose. Why won't you let, why don't you depose? Why can't they depose? Oh, because we said so. That's not how it works. See, because when people are fearless, they're patient. And guys, yeah, 200 grand right now, that's my bill. But you know what? 200 grand is nothing. It could be 200 kajillion if that saves one child. It could be 200 kajillion, kajillion, kajillion if it saves one woman. Isn't it? Can you actually put a price on an innocent life? Could you actually put a price on an innocent person that is being taken advantage of, harmed, abused, trafficked, killed, eaten, consumed, liquefied, organs traded? Tell me, can you put a price on that? No, you can't. No, you can't. 
And that's the thing. In our lives, we have to have, you know, these lines. These lines that we are not willing to not cross for the sake of our, um, how should I say it, comfort. I don't think there's not one person out there that wouldn't do the same thing I did armed with what I have. Not one. And for me, you know, it was a good day to see that my prayers, my faith, that my nation's foundations of law can no longer be perverted, especially under the Trump administration. And you would have thought that they knew that. You would have thought that they knew the minute that their people have been picked apart that they would stop while they're ahead. But no, kind of like you see in Congress, across the nation, all corrupt individuals, all nefarious actors, satanic people, disgusting people, that you're thinking, how are these, I don't even want to call them humans, walk among us and pretend when they look down on us, when they treat us like commodities because we gave them power because they mesmerized us with their words and armored us with their money and their stature. No, no. It stops. The buck stops here. There have been many, many meetings in skiffs across the nation where very important stuff have been discussed. You know, there's a lot of us out there, like you and I, who are all working towards the same goal. Some of them come in from, you know, with sneakers on, some with flip-flops, some that have been beaten badly, some that have stains on their backs and butts and hands and feet because they were wearing black hats at first. But regardless... Without even knowing the person next to you that is working for the same goal, for some reason, it just all works. It all works together in harmony. It works together where everyone decides that it's time the good prevails. It is time that we do not take, not sides, as he said, because that sides is the more simplified version. But we do not compromise with evil anymore. We will only win. Hmm. And you know, while all of us are frustrated, this hasn't happened, let me tell you something. The way it's going to happen is that we're going to have the testimony. Then we're going to have one huge lockup. And then it's done. The hammer comes down and it's incredible. Your weapon is my weapon. My weapon cannot be greater or less than yours. We have equal access. Equal access. You know, we're going to be having some notions of during these 12 days of Christmas, we should expect 
some hiccups. Maybe Mr. Goodlatte will um, kind of inch to that. Let's um, reiterate the questions he had for Michael Horowitz in 2018. Take a listen. Team, whether we sought interviews. Dennis McDonough? I don't believe so. Valerie Jarrett? I don't believe so. How about the president himself? Uh, no, we did not. Right. Neither the Department of Justice, would you have liked to have had that information if you could get access to it? Um, I'd have to think about that and talk with the team, frankly, about that and, and how they would view that. Neither the Department of Justice nor the FBI are mentioned in the Constitution. However, each institution has engaged in repeated stonewalling of Congress's constitutionally mandated oversight. The infamous text from Peter Strzok saying, we will stop President Trump from taking office, which we received on the day of your report's release, is a prime example. This text was revealed to you late in your interview as well, as I understand. Do you believe this text shows political bias? Uh, I think as we found, it clearly shows a biased state of mind. And if so, do you believe the political bias shown by this text had an effect on the initiation of the Russia investigation? I think, as you know, uh, Mr. Chairman, that's a matter we've got under review and are looking at right now. So we have that under review and we're looking at that right now. But here's the thing. We need to go back to what Horowitz said so we can re-listen to that. And I just want you to listen to it, and I'll point out after you re-listen to those three minutes, because sometimes we have to listen to something again. And rather than you rewind the app, if you're listening to this on the upload or you, you know, waiting for me to upload, let's listen to it together because it's important. Important to how he tells you of how the White House, how Barack Hussein Obama's White House operated. Take a listen. Termination that the Department of Justice at high levels sought to terminate the Clinton Foundation investigation. We also know that you found communication between Secretary Clinton and President Obama. During your investigation, did you seek access to communications from the Department of Justice? Uh, yes, we did. What about former Obama White House officials? Um, we saw department records and department information um, we have in the past when we've sought um, White House records um, and this is true of administrations going way back um, it's been made clear to us that the executive office of president does not provide records to um, inspectors general of agencies so we would look for them if they were incoming to the department and those would be records that we would seek and obtain, um, but we don't have authority over any other agency outside government. Uh, outside, did, I'm sorry, the Justice Department. Did you seek to interview any officials at the White House? Um, the Obama White House. I would have to go back and ask the team whether we sought interviews. Dennis McDonough? I don't believe so. Valerie Jarrett? I don't believe so. How about the president himself? Uh, no, we did not. Right. Neither the Department of Justice, would you have liked to have had that information if you could get access to it? Um, I'd have to think about that and talk with the team, frankly, about that and, and how they would view that. 
Neither the Department of Justice nor the FBI are mentioned in the Constitution. However, each institution has engaged in repeated stonewalling of Congress's constitutionally mandated oversight. The infamous text from Peter Strzok saying, we will stop President Trump from taking office, which we received on the day of your report's release, is a prime example. This text was revealed to you late in your interview as well, as I understand. Do you believe this text shows political bias? Uh, I think, as we found, it clearly shows a biased state of mind. And if so, do you believe the political bias shown by this text had an effect on the initiation of the Russia investigation? I think, as you know, uh, Mr. Chairman, that's a matter we've got under review and are looking at right now. More, more to be determined on that. More to be determined. But the the time proximity, as Mr. Gowdy pointed out, is significant. Correct. Correct. In fact, there are these other text messages in a roughly the same time period. You were an assistant United States attorney for eight years. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, in that time, did you ever charge any... Uh, espionage act case or a case under section 79 793f um, i did not i'm trying to understand more about the seeming need for intent in this statute of course as some have noted people never intend the bad things that happen due to gross negligence right correct so some courts have stated that willful blindness satisfies the requirement of knowledge. For example, this happens in cases where a defendant is transporting a package containing narcotics. Courts have never allowed the defendant to claim he didn't know what was in the package because he should have known and exercised criminal recklessness by failing to determine what was in the package. In your opinion, as a former prosecutor, isn't a similar analysis appropriate here? Um, I'm going to uh, demur on what I would have done as a prosecutor or my views as a former prosecutor. I will say what was explained to us in terms of intent was actually really knowledge. The focus was largely on the fact that these documents that were classified weren't clearly marked as classified. Well, didn't Mrs. Clinton, uh, as Secretary of State, uh, having the authority not only to read all levels of classified documents, but also to classify documents herself. Didn't she have a duty to determine whether the unclassified server she used to transact all her official business was moving classified information? I think it's fair to say there's a responsibility on senior officials. To so let's stop right there. You heard those minutes. Now let's begin. So the first thing, you know, obviously we delayed the Horowitz release because, you know, that's the way it is. But that's fine because the hammer is dropping, you know, in just a few days. It's the countdown, right? 13 tomorrow, 12, 11, 10. Mm -hmm. So here we go where we begin on the Clinton-Obama communications. You've discovered those. Have you subpoenaed? What did he say? Keyword. The executive office will not turn over. We can only see what we have jurisdiction over. So in other words, the Department of Justice does not have jurisdiction over the executive office communications. Wait, can we just reiterate that? The executive office of the president cannot be under the jurisdiction of the Department of Justice. So who would be? Hmm. 
Would that be Congress, the Senate? Which one? Think. Just think. Take that as you wish. Then he named a bunch of people, including handlers, asking if they've been interviewed. Uh, and the answers were no. Hence the delay. On top of that, we find out that, you know, willful knowledge that applies across the nation was not applied here because uh, it falls down on Clinton doing her duty. Uh, because if I received an email that I deemed had classified information, what would be my duty to do? Oh, that would be to report it, right? Especially if it came from an unclassified server. So in other words, there was no intent, but there was lack of duty. Uh, there was a responsibility, but not only to the sender and the person that didn't classify, but to the receiver that has to understand what is classified and what is not. I mean, that's the way it is, right? They all understand classification. And if you're talking about, I don't know, nuclear energy or um, communications between prime ministers and, mm, let me see, cartels and presidents, you know, stuff that would be deemed classified and it's going through an unclassified server and you receive it or see it, it is also your duty to report it, okay? Let's just clarify that for a second before we continue. This was a very short interview, uh, so this will be a lot of fun because it should get you really, really excited for what's coming. To understand and know what classified information may be present. Wasn't that the least amount of care we should have expected from her with information that could cause serious harm to our national security? Um, I think I'm going to rely on the evidence that we had here in our review, which was to look at what the prosecutors made as an assessment. And as we described here, their view was, unless it was marked, um, unless there was clear knowledge, they believed that, that would, it would be inconsistent with past, past practice and how they would look at this provision and therefore not charge it. Following the 2016 election, many of my Democratic colleagues called for the resignation or termination of former FBI Director James Comey for his mishandling of the Clinton investigation. Curiously, these same colleagues cried foul when President Trump, upon the recommendation of Department of Justice Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein, did in fact terminate Comey. For instance, on November 14, 2016, one of our Democratic Judiciary Committee colleagues told CNN's Chris Cuomo that Comey should be fired immediately and the President Trump, President Trump ought to initiate an investigation into his actions. Conversely, on May 9, 2017, that same Democrat made a complete U-turn and stated that, quote, the firing of FBI Director Comey by President Trump is a terrifying signal of this administration's continued abuse of power on so many levels, end quote. Additionally, following the 2016 election, another of our Democratic colleagues insisted that Comey should pack his things and go. However, a year later, the same person insisted that James Comey's firing suggests an attempt to squelch an investigation in an effort to cover up wrongdoing. Lastly, on October 31, 2016, a third Judiciary Committee Democrat stated that Comey's actions make it clear he should resign immediately for the good of the FBI and the Justice Department. 
Fast forward a year and the same Democrat is then advocating for Director Comey to receive, get this, the Profiles in Courage Award following his termination. So to clear up the apparent confusion among my colleagues, do you believe the termination of former FBI Director James Comey was justified following your recent findings that describe Comey as insubordinate in his handling of Hillary Clinton's email investigation? Okay, and we're going to visit that after a break. Let that percolate for a second and listen to the answer right after this break that the IG will give us. See you in a bit. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the, the Tory Says Show. And we left it off with uh, Representative Goodlot asking one question. Tell me, what do you think? Everyone kept saying, Comey should get fired. Then when he got fired, Comey should not get fired. Or Comey should win an award. With what you've seen, IG Horowitz, tell us, what do you think? Was the firing of Comey justified? Take a listen. Uh, Mr. Chairman, um, as Inspector General, my responsibility is to get the evidence and the facts, and it is then up to others to decide what the appropriate uh, penalty or adjudication should be of that. So I'm going to, for the reasons that we found here, that people should stay in their roles and responsibilities and understand those, um, I'm going to... You would agree, however, that insubordination uh, uh, in the in the matters that you outlined in your report is a serious matter. Oh, I agree. It's a serious matter. So so take a listen to what he said, right? He said, listen, I'm just the IG, which is true. He's like the auditor, you know. Auditors can only report what they find. That's what the inspector general does. He reports. I found this problem. You need to fix this problem. I can recommend how you can fix this so it doesn't happen again. But I can also recommend prosecution, but that's at a very, very, you know, low level. Kind of like the small example in my state. State Auditor found that 700 and over $750,000 were paid to one point of contact for the adoption of one child and that was $400,000 that were federal funds and 300 somewhat thousand dollars that were state funds to fix this you need to make sure that people don't miss key information since you claim it's miskeying there needs to be an audit there needs to be this you know this is only on the federal side so what are we going to see that Horowitz brings out with Comey because this is going to be super fun Insubordination, we understand. We saw the Secretary of the Navy out. You're not following orders from your commander in chief. You think you have the right to second guess the president of the United States? All right. See ya. Insubordination, as said, is very, very serious. Uh, on page 147 of your report, there is a, 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 tech, a text exchange that uh, I'm curious about. Um, about halfway down the page, uh, Agent 1 stated he could not recall anything specific to add to this exchange. 
In another exchange on February 4, 2016, Agent 1 and an FBI employee who was not assigned to the mid-year investigation discussed Agent 1's interview with a witness who assisted the Clintons at their Chappaqua, New York residence. Part of this exchange follows. FBI employee, boom, how did the witness go? Agent 1, awesome, lied his ass off. Went from never inside the skiff sensitive compartmented information facility at residence to looked in when it was being constructed to remove the trash twice to troubleshot the secure fax with HRC a couple of times to every time there was a secure fax, I did it with HRC. Ridic, end quotes. FBI employee. Would be funny if he was the only guy charged in this deal. Agent one. I know. For 1001. Now, that's referring to 18 U.S.C. 1001, is it not? That's correct. All right. Even if he said the truth and didn't have a clearance when handling the secure facts, ain't no one going to do S blank blank blank. Now, we asked Agent 1 about the implication in this message. This is your report. That no one would be charged irrespective of what the team found. And Agent 1 stated, yeah, I, I don't think I can say there's a specific person that I worked with in this case that wouldn't charge him for that. Wouldn't charge him for that. I think it's a general complaint of, you know, of FBI agents that are kind of, kind of being emotional and, and complaining that no one is going to do something about, about something. So, but there's nothing specific that I, that I can tell you. Now, um, this, this uh, individual, Agent One, is expressing the opinion that that um, uh, was a circumstance under which charging somebody would be appropriate. Is that correct? That's certainly the, um, what he's suggesting here. All right. Now, uh, what is Title 18, Section 1001? That's that making violent? a false statement to a government official in the course of a uh, review or investigation. So is that not exactly the same statute under which Mr. Papadopoulos and Mr. Flynn were charged I don't know specifically, but I assume so. All right. Thank you. Those are all the questions I have, Mr. How did that sound? Oh, my gosh. So you're saying that these people are lying, like lied their tushies off? Okay. So what do we need to know? Tell me what you think. And I'm going to, like use my time traveling skills to kind of think about it. You know, let me take it back. The initial analysis of the laptop that Wiener had, had what? Hillary Clinton, the foundation, and crimes against children, right? Correct? Wow. Crimes against children. Think Comey. This release that happened, uh, you know, in, in, um, 2018, was it a big deal? What happened? What you need to remember is that, um, the minute Comey is arrested and charged, when it's not arrested and charged, when it's made public, that is where not the people, but people that are within our military, our three-letter agencies, our state, foreign services, et cetera, et cetera, will start to wake up from this trance. 
the trans that we even saw in Afghanistan, the trans that we see people undergoing, huge trans. Black male doesn't carry water anymore. That all. And it'll be a wipeout, complete. It'll be an avalanche of white hats just coming down in a full sweep because that's how it has to happen. And you'll be like, are they all getting arrested? Not yet. Because, you know, it's kind of like um, pedophiles, right? When you grab a pedophile and you know that they've been charged with child pornography, sending illicit messages to children or whatever, you grab their technology and you go through their technology and you find messages and videos and emails and hits and searches and groups and forums that lead you to more pedophiles that have messages and links and emails and other connections. And it's just a sea of connections. It's like from one, you get all these connections. Mm -hmm. So when you grab one and we've had them grab for a while, you see that extension, how many levels ahead it keeps going and going and going. I think we need to unseal Epstein really quick. That'll help fill in the blanks. I mean, Clinton Foundation, gosh, circling into the Ukraine, circling into the European bank, circling into Africa. By the way, why is Jack Dorsey constantly in Africa? Didn't I tell you months and months ago that everyone's going to suddenly be so attracted to Africa because it is the dark continent, because that is where... Your eyes are not looking. Yet Jack Dorsey has been hopping around, hopping around everywhere in Africa. And you're like, yeah, you know, what is it? The Nigerian princess sending us email? Nope, 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 nope. Everybody knows that if you invest first in Africa, you make a ton of cash. And if the corrupt ones enter Africa first, which they have for years now, Through hands across America, they suckered us into that one, didn't they? They raised a ton of cash to just exploit and cause harm to these people. How many times do you see it, uh, you know, on your television set, you know, these children starving where they show you images and your heart just breaks and you're thinking, wait a minute, I just threw out a plate of food. What is going on here? How is this even happening in 2019? Ask yourself that question. It's 2019. What excuse does any human being on this planet have to have people starving in another corner? What are you going to say? Oh, well, they're over there. So England, Germany, France, the United States, Mexico, Colombia, all these nations together. They can't seem to come together and feed these nations, these nations where they're hungry, but they provide us the majority of our coffee. And what do they call it? Fair trade stuff, right? That's what you need to kind of hone into the hypocrisy of it all, the diversion, kind of like sending a motorcade, letting people think you're going to golf, but you're not. (laughs) It is incredible. You know, we should be giving thanks like nobody's business, like nobody's business. And, you know, the past is totally proving our present and the future that is to come. And like I said earlier with the 12 days of Christmas, it was 10 drummers drumming and 12 lords a leaping. For some reason, we've changed it to 10 lords of leaping 
and 12 drummers drumming uh, somewhere along the line, depending on what verses uh, you would like to use. So think um, how 10 drummers beating to drums on the 10th will be. So many drums that the right and the left will be beating and dancing to. It'll make you wonder, what is going on with big tech? Why are they so adamant? Why are they so incessant? Mm. Starting Sunday, they're still 12 paces behind us. A lot of us around social media, the internet, and your lives are being targeted by some of the largest media conglomerates there are. Fake news happening. Look at it. Reddit used to be a place where we used to talk. Can't talk anymore. Twitter used to be a place where you talk. Can't talk that there either. Oh, and by the way, I was also told that, you know what? Never mind. I'm going to leave that. It'll be at a latter time. I promise I shouldn't talk about it. We'll talk about that another time. But think. They're aggressive. Why? Because they're projecting. They're suppressing. Why? Because they're all fascists and they want to control you. Censorship is because you can't ruin their message. Like, how dare you even think? These people are so self-involved, so desperate, so desperate, that they are reflecting on you what they are doing when it's obvious who's in the wrong. It's like, oh, you know, for my example, we don't like the answer she gave us. No, she's not. She's not answering all the questions. They're vague. Instead of saying, you know, chocolate brownies, she said chocolate dessert. And I don't like that. She has to say brownie. And it's like, well, wait a minute, but you're not even answering any questions. You're not even allowing to be posed questions. Yeah, that's okay, but you're not answering them correctly. Projection, psychology. This is what narcissists do. And narcissism is when, you know, someone believes that they're better than everyone else, right? Well, they do. They think that we, the people, are pretty much their subordinates across the board. No matter who you are, you are nothing but a commodity. You are nothing but the neck that they step on to stand up taller, They're projecting everything, their thoughts, their feelings, their mannerism towards people and blaming you for everything, blaming you, alleging you, why so, why are their panties in a twist? Why are their panties in such a twist that you need to pull your tongue out? And throw mud at you, put egg on your face when they don't know you have like the best repellent ever where you can wear the egg and be like, yo, I'm still smiling, yo, because it's not really getting there. You're aggressive. You're a narcissist. You're going against everything. Oh my gosh. Oh Lord. We know it's coming because that is what happens to people like that. They do not win. They can never win. They cannot win because they do not have good on their side. They do not have good intentions. 
I think this was more made clear by Trey Gowdy when he questioned Horowitz. Remember, this is going to be a big deal coming up really soon. And this is the prelude to what's to come for Christmas. It's like it's like knowing your Christmas presents. Between FBI lawyer Lisa Page and FBI agent Peter Strzok from August the 8th of 2016. In that text exchange, Lisa Page wrote, Trump's not ever going to become president, right, with a question mark, and then right with a question mark and an exclamation point in case anybody uh, reading it may have missed the uh, point of her emphasis. Peter Strzok responded, no, no, he's not. We'll stop it. Do I have that text exchange right? Uh, You do. Now, Lisa Page was an FBI lawyer who worked on the Clinton email investigation. That's correct. Uh, did she also work on the Russia investigation? Uh, she did. How about the Mueller special counsel team? Uh, she did for a period of time. All right. So we're three for three on her working on the two most important bureau investigations in 2016 and beyond. Now, is this the same Lisa Page that Andy McCabe used to leak information to a news outlet? Um, she was his special counsel, and as we indicated in our earlier report, she was the individual through whom he provided that information. Wasn't there also a text about an insurance policy in case Trump won in a meeting in Andy's office? She was part of that text string, too, wasn't she? Correct. That was on August 15. All right. So this August 8 text was not the only time FBI lawyer Lisa Page was able to use the text feature on her phone. This is the same Lisa Page who admonished the agent interviewing Hillary Clinton not to go into that interview loaded for bear because Clinton might be the next president. And it's the same Lisa Page who said Trump was loathsome, awful. The man cannot become president. Clinton just has to win and that Trump should go F himself. Now, most of those comments were before the Clinton investigation was over, and we are somehow supposed to believe that she did not prejudge the outcome of that investigation before it was over. She already had Hillary Clinton winning. I don't know how you can win if you're going to wind up getting indicted and or plead guilty or be convicted of a felony. So... Um, I think we understand the first half of that text pretty well. Um, She didn't want Trump to win, and she wanted Clinton to win. Now for the response. Senior FBI agent Peter Strzok wrote, no, no, he's not. We'll stop it. Now, I think this is the same Peter Strzok who worked on the Clinton email investigation. Do I have that right? Uh, That's correct. Same Peter Strzok who not only worked on the Russia investigation when it began, but was one of the lead investigators at the inception of the Russia probe. Do I have the right Peter Strzok? That's my understanding. Now, is it the same Peter Strzok who was put on the Mueller special counsel team? Yes. All right. Same Peter Strzok. And this is not the only time he managed to find the text feature on his phone either. This is the same Peter Strzok who said Trump is an idiot. Hillary should win 100 million to zero. Now, Mr. Inspector General, that one is interesting to me because he's supposed to be investigating her for violations of the Espionage Act at the time he wrote that, in March of 2016. He's supposed to be investigating her for violations of the Espionage Act, and he can't think of a single solitary American that wouldn't vote for her for president. I mean, can you see our skepticism 
This senior FBI agent not only had her running, he had her winning a hundred million to nothing. So what if they'd found evidence sufficient to indict her? What if they had indicted her? Is this the same Peters? He wasn't part of the interview of Secretary Clinton, was he? Uh, he was present for the interview. See, this is where it all comes out. This is where we all understand how they got caught. You can't just do that. You can't just decide that this is the way it's going to go and this is how it's going to happen. That's not the way justice works. It's literally black and white. The gray comes into context, right? But it is black and white. You would never, ever, ever have someone that is your fan, that wants you to win, that hates the other side, investigate you and them and sit on your cross-examination. Are you kidding? This is the problem. This is a very big problem. Let's jump to this portion of it have a sense of unfinished business. I unleashed it with the Clinton email investigation. Now I need to fix it and finish it. Fix what? Uh, well, there is outlined in the report what Mr. Strzok's explanation for. Oh, I know what he was. I'm asking our I'm asking the guy who had a distinguished career in the Southern District of New York and had a distinguished career at the Department of Justice. Uh, would you rather cross-examine I, Peter Strzok on that explanation, or would you rather direct the examination on that explanation? Uh, probably cross-examine. That's what I thought. How uh, about finish it? When he said, I unleashed it, now I need to fix it and finish it. What do you think he meant by finish it? I think in the context of the emails that occurred in August and the prior August that you outlined, I think um, a reasonable explanation of it or a reasonable inference of that is uh, that he uh, believed he would use or potentially use his official authority to take action. But this is 24 hours into him being put on the Mueller probe. There's no way he possibly could have prejudged the outcome of the investigation. Twenty, Maybe he did. Maybe that's the outcome determinative bias that my Democrat friends have such a hard time finding. Uh, Inspector General Horowitz, if one of your investigators talked about Lisa Page and Peter Strzok the way they talked about Donald Trump, would you have left them on the IG investigation? Uh, no. Did you ever have an agent when you were a prosecutor with this level of bias? Uh, you know, as I've laid out here, I thought this was completely antithetical to the core values of the department. And That's all you have to know. Antithetical to the core values of the department. Well, where are the core values of the people of the United States of America? When are we going to start seeing that there are no coincidences? I'm pretty sure all of you on social media, both Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook have seen the barrage of reports that are being suppressed by the mainstream media from all these children um, dying from injuries by the flu vaccine, let alone other ones. And so many of them are coming uh, death. Uh, we have, um, you know, uh, extreme sickness, um, th- you know, foundational issues in regards to their functions 
uh, after getting a simple flu vaccine. And then, you know, you're like, whoa, you know, that's a lot of it. Maybe it was a bad batch. Well, tell me how. The author of a best-selling book called Malice, she wrote a book where she exposed, okay, she literally exposed the industry, the vaccination industry. Uh, she uh, talked about vaccine injury, death, and the corruption within the industry of how they experiment on people, how they use it to, um, what is it called? Mm, designer jeans. <laughs> let the let the fittest only live. Well, she was found with two bullets shot in the head just a few days ago. As all these reports were coming out and her book, best-selling author, was killed. Two bullet wounds to the head and they ruled it a suicide? How many of you have shot yourselves in the head and then didn't die so you shot yourself again? Think about it. How is that a coincidence? God rest the stole of this woman, this young woman, Jennifer Janes. See, you don't know every single whistleblower out there. You don't know every single white hat, how they come out and they tell you, well, black hats turned white. Yes. Because this war is global. This fight is on so many levels with so many different people that even the good guys don't know each other. They just say, all right, I'm going to let you do your thing and I'm just going to see where it goes. Mm. Let's be thankful for people like that. Let's be thankful for people that put themselves in the line of fire. On that note, I want to wish everyone a healthy weekend. Go out shopping if you can. If you can't, that's totally fine too. I mean, we're in a consumer era, aren't we? Kind of sucks. I'm a sucker for deals though. Anything to save money. That's, that's me, no matter how much I'll have in my pocket. God bless from all of us here at Red State. See you on Monday.